um, as Nathan had mentioned, um, my, my name is Todd Billman. I'm one of the uh, church members here at Hope Community Church. And it, it is my privilege um, to share God's word with you this morning. Um, we are going to be looking at Psalm uh, 107. Just a side, slight footnote. Normally, we're able to um, put the whole song, you know, put the whole passage in the bulletin. Uh, it's a really long one, so we couldn't. So, if you do like to follow along, we do have some Bibles in the back and some pens if you need them. Uh, don't don't feel uh, embarrassed if you need to go get a Bible or a pen or anything like that. Um, but this morning, um, I know that uh, you could have chosen many things. Um, you could have chosen to sleep in this morning. Uh, which maybe some of you were tempted to do. You could have chosen to go to uh, another church, and um, but you chose um, hope this morning. And I just want to encourage you um, and let you know that it wasn't by accident. Um, you're here for a very special purpose, and it's to hear not what I have to say, but to hear what God has to say um, to you this morning. So we're, we are thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. And this is a long passage, and I'll, I'll go through it. Um, but it's it's a really what I came to realize that this passage is a really powerful passage. Um, it is a passage um, where you get to really know God and, and how much God cares for us, but you get to know a little bit about God's people. And so as we look through this, um, you're going to see four unique situations and um, kind of the response of each people group um, in those situations. And, then, and finally, you're going to see how God does a reversal in each one of their situations. And so I think that's really powerful. And so uh, before uh, before I started the sermon, I was I was thinking about a time when I was a, a small child, and um, like a lot of small children, particularly boys, they're, they have the girls can't be mischievous. Um, but I uh, like to play a game with my mom, and it happened. Um, oftentimes, when we were out in public, in a store, um, she might be shopping, she might be doing something, and I thought it was very boring to go shopping. What was fun is to hide. And so I would go, children, this isn't an idea for you because you're going to find the world to this lesson later on here. If you don't do this, if you haven't done it, don't do it, and you'll see why here. But I used to love to go hide in the clothes, and then, you know, my mom would... You know, I looked through it and see the panic on my mom's face, and it brought me joy. I don't know why, but it did. It brought me joy because I knew she would come look for me. And so she would be, you know, calling my name, and I would just, you know, kind of hide inside the clothes. And um, she'd get closer and closer, and I'd just jump out and go, ah! You know, like, just kind of surprise her. I would get in trouble. Sometimes I might get a spanking, depending on how long she searched for me. Um, and you would think that I would learn from that, and I wouldn't. I, every chance I could get, I would hide. And so one time... We're in a huge flea market, and if you've never been in a flea market before, there's a lot of really good hiding spots. It's a huge building, ten times bigger than this school, and uh, I decided to go hide. Well, my mom didn't notice right away, and I noticed that she kind of walked down these long hallways, and there's hundreds, if not thousands of people in there, and I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh, she has no idea where I am. This wasn't a good idea. And so I'm wandering around. Now, at this point, in a panic as a small child, probably six or seven years old, going, I don't know where my mom is. I just want to find my mom. And I did what any strong boy would do, which is cry profusely. Because when you cry, 
you are showing that you need help. And so people came across and said, what's going on? I hid from my mom and I don't know where she is. And so they um, took me over to uh, this small room here and they had like an intercom and say, we have a missing child who is too hysterical to tell us his name, but if you are not with your, you know, haven't found your child, go find him. And so she came and I learned a valuable lesson. Um, it's, sometimes it's not good to hide. <laughs> it's very scary. And so I thought of that this morning as I was looking at these groups of people here that um, we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and so I think it really applied to how um, in my time of distress, I cried out and, uh, and God provided for me in that, in that very real and scary situation. But so let's begin by reading God's word. We're going to start in verse one of Psalm 107. And this is God's word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, whom he has redeemed from my trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies, excuse me, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness, and in the shadow of death, Prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the word of God, the words of God, and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So we bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and out of the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works. To the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze, and he cuts the two bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them, and he delivered them from their destruction. Then thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let the man and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of the deeds and the songs of joy. Now some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves to the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord 
and for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Church, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards, and a great fruitful yield. By his blessings they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless ways. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all the wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider his steadfast love. Let's pray. Father God, this was a lot. This is a long passage. There's a lot going on. I pray that our hearts and minds would focus on your word, that you would help us to see the truths that you have us learn this morning, that you, God, would do a great reversal in us, that you would teach us what it is that we ought to do in our own lives from this song. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So as, as we looked at one of these longer songs, um, there was a, a recurring theme. As you saw through this, you might have noticed that there was different groups of people. They would go through horrible situations. They would cry out, and God would respond and, and, and help them. And then they would be praising God in their steadfast love. And so what's interesting in here is this term steadfast love that you see repeated um, approximately six times in this psalm is repeated 172 times in the Old Testament, but 120 times just in the book of Psalms, in all of them. So it's, it's a recurring, important theme. And the first point I want to share with you this morning is that of the wanderer. It says, some wandered in the desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Just imagine, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a desert, I've seen it on TV, it looks pretty scary, but I've never been in a desert, but I couldn't imagine being in this kind of wasteland, nothing for miles but just sand, no city, no food or water, you're tired and you're weary. You're thinking to yourself, why am I here? Why am I here? And you're probably thinking, I'm probably going to die out here. That's an appropriate response, but what, do, what does the wanderer do here? See, we have, you have this wanderer who's been wandering around. They can't fix their own problem. They can either choose to lie down and die, or they go to God, cry out to God and ask for help. And so in verse 6, you see this wanderer, that does this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them straight away till they reached to a city to dwell in. You see, God's people, they cried out pleading for him to intervene. They're pouring out their hearts, and he delivers them. He leads them straight away. 
He leads them straight away to the city in which they can dwell, where they can eat and drink and be safe. And so in our first situation, God takes the wanderer and he delivers them. I don't know if you're wandering in life. I don't know if you see people out there wandering in life, but God wants to deliver them. They need only to cry out. And so <clears throat> the next psalm here, the next part of the psalm, it says this right here. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. The God, which you're going to see right here, the author of this psalm reminds us of a very, very important thing. I don't think we could go across anyone in the room and say, has God redeemed you of a situation? Has that happened? I bet every single one of them said, yeah, it's happened. But my, my question for you is, how often do we thank God for what he's done? How often do we thank God for what he's done, that wonderful gift of helping us in that situation, rather than our normal reaction is one of two things. We go about our normal lives and live them out in peace, or we ask God for the next thing that he needs to do in our lives because we've screwed it up. But this psalmist slows us down and says, listen, you were a wanderer. God has delivered you. Now, thank God for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works. Thank him for his love, his mercy, his kindness. And now we're going to look at the second group, the captive. And so this is a very interesting group here. He says, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Death, Prisoners, pay attention here, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. And so God bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down and realized none would help them. So in this time, these people rebelled against God. They were actively against God. And so God has no reason to help them. These are people we're, we're assuming that belonged to the Lord at one point, but they were actively rebelling, or maybe they didn't know God. They were actively rebelling against Him. And so God has every right to ignore them, every right to pay no attention to them, because they were prisoners of their own bad choices. See, oftentimes we look at prisoners and, you know, maybe they were falsely accused or they had a bad life and they made, you know, horrible mistakes. But these prisoners here were prisoners through their own choices. They decided to rebel and rebel against God. They allowed, and God allowed them to face harsh penalties. God allowed them to face all kinds of hardship so that they could get the help that they needed. See, oftentimes when we have made foolish choices in our lives, when we've made mistakes, we go, God, why did you allow this bad stuff to happen to me? Well, oftentimes God allows those bad things to happen to you to help you. So that you too, like in verse 13 of the captive, it says that you would cry out in your trouble and be delivered from your distress. And God quickly brings them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and he burst their bonds apart. Their situation seemed hopeless, right? It seemed that after seeing no other way, 
They can only cry out for help. And God breaks their bonds. And again, they are reminded to give thanks. I really like verse 16 because of the picture it points out. It says this, For he shatters the doors of bronze. Shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. That capture that captive is free. Picture this huge, thick door in your life. Maybe it's a six inches thick. It's made of bronze. It's a hundred years old. And it's just this massive door right there in your way. And God can do this to that bronze, right? Shatter it like glass. It seems miraculous. It seems amazing. And then you see these iron that are cut, cut into like two small pieces of wood. For us, this is miraculous. For God, this is just how he demonstrates how much he loves and cares for us. The wanderer is delivered. The captive is freed. Now let's look at the fool. It says this in verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. See, I can relate to the fool. Making all kinds of uh, sinful choices and suffering because of them. Now, I can't really relate to this part. Loathing the very thing they need to survive on food. But they did. That's how foolish they were, almost to the point of death. But again, they realize they need help. And so they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And again, He delivers them. This time is very interesting in verse 20. It talks about, in other verses, how he directs them straight away, how he leads them, how he guides them. In verse 20, it says this, He sent out his word. He sent out his very word and healed him. That's powerful. God's very word has the power to deliver his people. God's very word has the power to deliver us. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man. And then in verse 22, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell the deeds and songs of joy. See, we see that God's people not only should give thanks, but a special offering to show how much they are thankful to God and to even sing songs about him. And so when we sing praiseworthy songs, we're living out what God wants us to do. We're actually living those out. So we see here that God's people not only give thanks by offer, you know, by those special offerings, but we see we saw that the wanderer was delivered. We saw that the captive is free. We see that the fool is healed. Now let's look at that fourth group: the overwhelmed. And so there's a little bit of digging for this fourth point, fourth point, but I want you to follow along here. So these these men went down to these to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They literally saw God performing these miraculous works in the deep. They saw him commanding and raising a stormy wind, which lifted waves, um, waves into the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths, but their courage melted away in their evil plight. Verse 27 says, They reeled and staggered, like drunken men, were at their wits' end. 
If you're a parent, I'm sure you've been at your wit's end. May even be in here in this room at your wit's end with these children. But I love, I, I really actually enjoy hearing, you know, sometimes I can find things distracting, but hearing the, the little voices here and there and walking as Nathan was praying, right? Walking over the, the, the track of Home Alone over here was really was really fun. I actually enjoyed it. It made me smile. And he, and he looked at me and he smiled. He was like, that's for you. Don't you mind? <laughs> but I actually enjoy this. But I can understand that sometimes having my own kids when they were small, just feeling overwhelmed, like, how can I handle this guy? And you're at your wit's end, it says, and it says, we see that the situation, the group actually sees all the good that God's doing, or all the miraculous works that he's doing with this, with the winds and the waves. But they were, in verse 30, they were glad that the waters were quiet, and that he had brought them to their desired haven. It says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Again, they're thankful for God's steadfast love, right? But now they're telling the congregation, all the leaders, about how good God is. I can hear them now. Listen, the wanderer is delivered, the captive is freed, the fool is healed, but I, I who is overwhelmed, am at peace. This is really good news. And we can see in the final verses even more reversals. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste. Why does he do that? Because of the evil of his inhabitants. What's key here is that God is not inflicting pain on the innocent, but the wicked, on those that deserve it. Because later it goes on to say in verse 35, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and establish the city to live in. Going down here um, in verse 40, it says this, He pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction, and he makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all of the wickedness shuts its mouth. God deals harshly with the wicked, but restores the repentant and transforms their very lives. See, we said that each of these scenarios, that no matter what these people face, God helps those who cry out to Him. He restores them in their very weakest moments. I want to share with you um, uh, one story this weekend that really, I was really looking for a story this weekend that would kind of kind of show and picture uh, a great reversal like now. Because we, you know, oftentimes we look at God's words and say, yeah, God, you did that back then. You had a reversal back then. But what are you doing now? And so um, we met a man, and I'm going to get his name wrong, but um, Mr. Jennings, I believe, is his name. And I'll tell you a little bit about Mr. Jennings. Mr. Jennings um, came in and gave his testimony. And it was, it was a really powerful testimony. But he basically came in and said, you know, um, had my parents, you know, went to school, you know, nothing I needed, you know, I, I basically was provided for, right? So it wasn't like a single, single family, you know, or just my mother was raising me or just my father was raising me. It came, came kind of from a good family and uh, was going to school, was a great athlete. Uh, and eventually, uh, unfortunately, I got caught up in my own sin, my own addictions to both drugs and to alcohol. 
So I'm going to give you a short version. Maybe one day you'll get to meet him and get to hear his long verses. But he gets caught up in his own sins. And so he's getting caught up in his drug, his alcohol. And basically, at one point, becomes an adult, even through some of these addictions, goes to school, gets his, um, some type of, it's like a master's, like some kind of mechanic, I thought, or something like that. But he had a good paying job. He gets married. Still suffering with those addictions, still kind of hiding some of those things. And he goes years with this. But eventually, the addiction, the alcohol, the drugs, he can't really hide it anymore. And he gets becomes so so um, addicted to this, spending so much money on this, he can't he can't work. He can't provide for his family. So he loses his job. He eventually begins walking on the streets, and he's homeless. So he goes from this great thing of you know like having a decent job, having a family, having kids, to his own daughter worried about is his is her dad going to be okay because they know that. He's in a really bad place. And so he's walking the streets for years. I can't remember how many years, but he's living on the street for years. And uh, one day he's in a room, I believe it's like a motel room, and he's in this room uh, and everyone's getting high and doing drugs and alcohol, and he literally hears the voice of God. And the voice of God just grabs a hold of his heart. And he even said he tried to drown out God's voice to him. He tried to use drugs and alcohol to drown out, but he couldn't get high. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't get drunk. And so that night, um, he couldn't get any sleep. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, he knows he can't call his, his wife because they've kind of, at this point, said enough's enough. And he calls his sister and says, hey, can you come pick me up? And his sister says, listen, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't pick you up right now. Where are you going to be? He says, well, I'm right here at this payphone. I'll be, I'll be here to whenever you can pick me up. So that morning around 7 or 8, his sister comes and picks him up, takes him home. And um, really from that moment that God spoke to him and he tried to ignore him and realized he couldn't, he was a changed man. He went on um, to kind of get his act together, get his life together, get a job. Um, he, he eventually um, is now referred to as Pastor James. And um, he goes about um, spending a lot of time with people in Orangeburg and um, speaking truth to life and wanting that same reversal, um, the same reversal that happened in his life to happen in the lives of the, the people of Orangeburg. And he feels like he can do that best as a pastor. He has a heart uh, for people with an addiction. And um, he really, um, he said, listen, God, I was just wanting a simple place to stay at home, but you've provided me with a family and a house and you've given me so much abundance. And he's so so excited, and the one thing that really caught me is uh, J.P. Sibley was talking about, they've become friends. He said that during this time uh, that they were, they were trying to start this ministry called RISE, which is to serve addicts, um, people who have addictions, they told Mr. Jennings, hey, just so you know, this is going to be happening right in your church because it's a big room and they just use part of it. And, and the guy, Mr. Jennings or Pastor Jennings, looks at J.P. and says, wait, wait, you're telling me that the same issue I had years ago, that you're going to start a ministry right here serving those people right here where my church is. I've been praying for something like this, and this is awesome. I can't excite it. So just, so I just want you to know, maybe you feel like you're a lost cause. Maybe you feel like God can't work in your life, um, but he can, and he does, and he is working in your life. And so my prayer for you this morning um, really comes from the final uh, verse here in verse 107. 
uh, excuse me, chapter 107, verse 43, it says, Whoever is wise, let them attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. We too have a choice to follow God or face our choice alone. God loves His people. He's faithful. He's kind. He's gracious. And His mercy is unmatched. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you didn't abandon me. In fact, when I abandoned you, um, you see, and you changed my heart. And, and as Nathan even said, um, I still recognize how much changing still needs to happen. I'm so thankful that you're gracious and merciful every time that I, this church, cries out to you. I pray for real change in people here. You know, maybe there's not something like an addiction. Maybe there's not some kind of evil thing that's going on in their life that the world would consider evil, but God, you can do even the smallest reversals, the changing of heart, the showing of kindness to a sibling, the, the love to someone who's in need, God. I pray that our church would be known for showing steadfast love like you do, God, to us. God, help us to be light in a dark place. Help us to serve wherever we can. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.